0: This is the sermon podcast of Lord of Life Lutheran Church in Columbus, Ohio.
1: Where we proclaim God's extravagant grace, radical inclusion,
0: and relentless compassion.
1: Join us for our worship Sundays at 8 a.m., 9 a.m., or 1115 a.m. This is Lord of Life. There is a place for you here. For more information, please visit our website at www.acceptingall.com. Good morning. morning. Our first lesson is for Max. When the day of Pentecost had come, the apostles were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven, there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues, as of fire, appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Persia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own language, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunks, as you suppose, for it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams." Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. And I will show portents in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Holy wisdom, holy word. Our second lesson is from Romans. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly while we wait for adoption the redemption of our bodies, for in hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for our hope, for who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the very Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And God, who searches the heart, knows what is in the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God.
0: The Holy Gospel according to John, the 15th and 16th chapters. Jesus said, When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of Truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. You also are to testify because you have been with me from the beginning. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you, but now I am going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will prove the world wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father. And you will see me no longer about judgment. Because the ruler of this world has been condemned. I still have many things to say to you, but, I, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will speak not on his own, but will speak whatever he hears. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. Because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The Gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. In my seminary days, our professor of preaching told us that a sermon should have only one central point. It may be developed in various ways during the sermon, but one central point. Now, 54 years after having taken that class, I am making a daring move. Today's sermon will have more than one point. May my beloved late professor rest in peace. However, we need more than one point to fully appreciate the coming of the Spirit on Pentecost and the many ways in which the Spirit is with us in the church and each of us personally. But I won't say how many points because my professor also said Never tell the people how many points in your sermon, because they'll be ticking them off, waiting to know when it's going to end. The observance of Pentecost has its roots in the Old Testament and Jewish culture. It is 50 days after the second day of Passover, and had become a harvest festival. Today it is observed in Jewish circles as Shavuot, the anniversary of the giving of the Torah to Moses on Mount Sinai. So the context of the Spirit's coming was in the Jewish context in which Christianity was born. However, with the Spirit empowering the disciples to speak in many different languages, the global spread of the gospel was launched. And it is a reversal of the story of the Tower of Babel in which people's pride caused them to be scattered and divided by different languages and cultures at odds with one another. At Pentecost, those different languages remain, but now the unity is restored by the Spirit through the gospel. The international outreach of the gospel preserves the various cultures of the world represented by their languages. So unity still preserves the remarkable diversity of human cultures. That is God's will and way. In our multicultural society and world of today, the Christian witness works to respect cultures and to counter the prejudice and division that arise when resentment and hatred Replace respect and acceptance. Pentecost affirms Paul's marvelous statement. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, free male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. By the spirit of Pentecost, we can say there is neither black nor white, Hispanic nor Asian, European nor African, Arab nor Israeli, for all are one in God's magnificent grace. Pentecost is a look beyond present antipathies and cruelties that we visit upon one another, a look to God's future reign where all are equally loved. And when we in the present practice equal loving, we give witness by the Spirit to that future reign. In the Gospel of John, Jesus tells us that the Spirit will testify of him and the Spirit will lead us into all truth. The Spirit, working through the good news of God's extravagant grace in Jesus Christ, is the author of our faith. The faith of trusting our lives to God's promise of salvation is instilled and sustained by the Spirit. The faith in which we believe that is the truth of of God embodied in the creeds we confess each Sunday, that faith is preserved throughout the generations by the witness of the Spirit through the Word in the Church. In the small catechism, Luther writes concerning the Spirit, I believe that that by my own understanding and strength, I cannot believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to Him. But instead... The Holy Spirit has called me through the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, made me holy, and kept me in the true faith, just as he calls, gathers, enlightens, and makes holy the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it with Jesus Christ in the one common true faith. Luther's point that the Spirit keeps the church, which is to say us, in the one true faith reflects Jesus' statement that the Spirit will lead us in the way of truth. At the beginning of Christianity, there were many varieties of, or variations of how we are to understand the reality of Jesus. Some of these views saw him as something less than truly God, Or if truly God, then some saw him as less than truly human. It took several centuries for the church to sort all this out under the guidance of the Spirit and express in what we now have, especially in the Nicene Creed. More was at stake in this than just a bunch of theologians duking it out over theological formulas. No, what they were were preserving for the faithful is the fact that it is vital to our faith to know that God was truly with us in the birth of Jesus and that his death on the cross was truly a death God experienced as well as Jesus truly human and that his resurrection is the guarantee of our resurrection. The Spirit has preserved this ultimate truth throughout the centuries. But even today, there's a constant need to keep the centrality of God's unconditional grace central and uncompromised by moralistic theologies or theologies that stress my decision rather than the Spirit's work. The fear is stirred when spokespersons of science challenge our faith, the confusion of many different faiths competing for our attention, the unprecedented ethical concerns that frequently divide Christians when passions are fueled, the battles over how to think about the Bible as inspired, even the non-essential things that set us against each other. All these are the enduring challenge for the Christian community to remain true to the faith and to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bonds of peace, as Ephesians commands. Jesus tells the disciples that he has many things to say to them, but they are not ready to hear. In fact, what he is saying is that he has left the church with ongoing tasks of dealing with new questions and resolving serious differences. We shall have the Spirit but not every answer to every question in advance. Frailty and finitude sometimes keeps us from being totally equal to these tasks, but the Spirit is always at work in the church with us, keeping people in the faith, even when differences are hard to resolve. Well, while ideas and cultural differences may challenge the faith in our corner of the world. In many places of this world, the challenge is persecution. Jesus tells the disciples earlier in John's Gospel that they will be thrown out of the synagogues where once they had a voice. Moreover, there will be those who seek to kill them and consider killing them an act of worship for God. In the early days of the church, predictions of those persecutions certainly came true. But it is also true in our era, at the hands of political forces that fear the Christian message when it challenges the injustices of this world, or the hatred of religious extremists of other faiths. As I have had occasion to mention before, there have been more Christian martyrs in the last 100 years than in all the preceding years combined. Yet throughout it all, the Spirit has sustained the faith of the Church and has endowed witnesses with courage in the face of terrible cruelties. Now in our our day we also recognize the cruelties that humankind has inflicted Upon the earth. In Romans today, Paul speaks of the creation groaning in labor pains along with us who wait for the redemption of our bodies. The redemption of creation and the redemption of humanity are together, tied together in the ministry of the Spirit. The good news of Christ for us is also the good news of Christ for creation. The Spirit was present at the dawn of time, hovering over the void which God has brought forth, from which God has brought forth the intricate, amazing, and beautiful reality that is this planet on which we have come to live. So we pray for the Spirit to be with us and inspire us to join in the care and renewal of creation. The hymn says it this way, Come Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle in us the fire of your love. Send forth your Spirit and we shall be created and you shall renew the face of the earth. By the inspiration of the Spirit, we the children of God in Christ can anticipate the ultimate renewal of the creation through our loving care for it in the present. We pray for the gifts of the Spirit, but we do not always know how to pray, Paul tells us in Romans this morning. Even in praying for myself, for strength of faith and love, for forgiveness and so forth, I do not know myself completely. And the things I really need to ask for in detail of God I do not know for certain. I do not completely recognize my faults or the sins of which I am guilty. I am sometimes in denial, refusing to face the truth of myself. We do not know how to pray. When our souls are troubled by sin or by sorrows that are so hard, we cannot express them. The Holy Spirit is there. The Holy Spirit intercedes for me and for you and for all with sighs too deep for words. Sighs too deep for words. Thank God. Thank God literally. Jesus also tells us that if we pray for the Spirit in our lives it will be given to us for growth in faith and love. Be careful what you ask for because it will be given and you might find yourself an engaged Christian. How about that? Finally, Luther's last word to all of us on the Spirit in his little catechism ties together our journey the journey we have been on through this entire festival half of the church year which began back in Advent Luther says in conclusion on the last day the Holy Spirit will raise me up and give to me eternal life thanks be to God Amen